It's time to close the book on Kang the Conqueror. So until next time, I'm Chris. And I'm... Lance? Wait, something's wrong. We didn't do the episode yet. Oh, darn it. The time stream must be off. Can we just go back to the beginning? I guess so. Like right before the theme music. Sure, we just got to remember to do this again later. I'll make a note. Welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Chris. And I'm Lance. And today we're talking about Kang the Conqueror. The hype is real, and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is coming out this week of our recording. So we wanted to conquer the comics featuring the big blue-faced villain of the new MCU. Yeah, I'm ready to see what Kang's going to do in the MCU. I'll be honest. I have never really liked his comic book design. I always thought it was really strange. And that might be one of the reasons why I... It is a little funny. It's it's a weird one. And that's probably potentially why I haven't ever really dove into his catalog. But the fact that he's showing up in Quantumania made me want to read about the character. And I'm glad I did. This was really interesting and kind of a headache. Yeah, he's he's a very fascinating character and just fair warning, we will be talking about spoilers for the existence of Kang in the Marvel comics. It's kind of hard not to because he spans all of the Marvel comics timeline, I should say, and and it gets a little timey wimey, wibbly wobbly, uh, (laughs) confusing because there's a lot of different versions of him and he pops up. You know, his his storyline is not necessarily linear. So if that gives you a headache to think about, um, we give you a fair warning in advance. But we're going to try to make it easy to understand in a in a very Kang friendly kind of way. Yeah. So for all the Whovians out there, you'll be in like your element with the confusingness Uh, for everyone else. We're going to try and make it easier to understand. Well, because things tend to go out of order with Kang, we're actually going to start with Into the Archives. Kang the Conqueror was created by the iconic duo of Stanley and Jack Kirby. I knew we were going to cover Kang, so I actually went back in time to our second episode ever and changed it to a Spider-Man episode so I could include the history of Stan Lee. Then I jumped to our... Oh, that's very considerate of you. Oh, thank you. Then I jumped to the 17th episode, all about Black Panther to cover Jack Kirby's legacy. I traversed the timeline and evaded the TVA so we could speed through the creator histories in this episode to focus more on the convoluted comic book origin and history of Kang. But be sure to go back and listen to both of those episodes because they are a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, it's very cool to have another Lee and Kirby character creation, and they are amazing in their character creations. Uh, we've, We've talked about other characters that they've created, and this is neat to talk about a villain that they came up with together. So this is definitely one of those classic Marvel villains. 
in all of its cheesiness and uh, glory and, and pun inducing <laughs> uh, agony and everything. So um, we're going to we're going to try to cover all of it as much as we can. A, a lot of stuff to cover about King. The time-traveling despot Kang the Conqueror is a villainous character appearing in Marvel Comics created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. He uses all of his resources and technology to try and rule as many universes as possible while there is still time. There are various incarnations and identities of Kang throughout time and dimensions, all of which lead into the main storyline of who Marvel's website refers to as Nathaniel Richards or Prime Kang. This is one of the most deadly, devious, and powerful villains that the Marvel Universe has witnessed, battling against heroes like the Fantastic Four and the Avengers. And with his introduction in the MCU as the Multiverse Saga's ultimate antagonist, starting with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, Kang is sure to be around for quite some time. We start Kang's origin in the alternate timeline Earth 6311, a.k.a. Other Earth conveniently named how convenient what do you want what do you want to name that earth other earth yeah other earth yeah just keep it simple again you know this was made in the 60s so you can't expect much in this reality the dark ages never occurred and technology developed without interruption good for them so the first moon landing was in the year 900 a.d the earth and the moon colony had a war but peace was brought by a time traveler from earth 616 the main Marvel continuity, named Nathaniel Richards. He became known as the Benefactor. Now, 1900 years later, in this alternate timeline, alternate Earth, his descendant, Nathaniel Richards, not the same Nathaniel Richards from that timeline, but someone that was named after Nathaniel Richards, was born in the year 3000. With me so far? If not, that's okay. Yeah, it's 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 confusing already. Um, so <laughs> let's at, <laughs> let's make ahead. it even more confusing, Chris. Yes. At age sixteen, he is a bright robotics student, but spends a year hospitalized after an attack from a bully. During this year, he studies the heroic age of Earth six one six, brought to his reality by the Benefactor. Nathaniel finds the Benefactor Citadel, which contains plans for a time machine. About this time, he's actually visited by a future version of himself who wants to guide him and train him to be the great man he's destined to be, but avoid the mistakes that he's made before. So you have a young version of Kang who is kind of like, uh, this life, uh, I'm so over it, I'm so smart, as, as a lot of, you know, genius prodigies are. And the future version of himself shows up and is like, hey, Nathaniel, uh, I'm you in the future, and... I can make you the best you you're going to be, but I know the mistakes you're going to make, right? <laughs> so come with me and let's go. So they go back to the dawn of man. Young Nathaniel trains under Kang, but when he meets a variant of Ravona, who we'll talk about later, his true love, he starts to have doubts. Future Kang realizes this as where he starts to fail because love is his weakness. He basically tells him, don't fall in love. You'll be fine. Kang kills the tribe that Ravona is in, and in a bitter betrayal, Nathaniel steals the time machine armor that allows him to take his first step towards becoming Kang. Whoo, everyone still with us? We, <laughs> yeah. we, we still good? Gonna take a minute, rewind, listen to that again. Maybe you'll figure it out. Now, there's a lot of other things that happen. 
in Kang Prime's timeline, he jumps around time a lot. Like, like a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. He takes on several different divergent identities. We'll get to that in a minute. He faces against and sometimes allies with the Avengers and other Marvel heroes. The whole time, eh? Other variants <laughs> of himself are either trying to stop him or he's trying to prevent a possible timeline where he loses. There are timelines where he definitively conquers the universe, but for Kang, it's never enough. It's, it's like that, was it the Greatest Showman song? Is yeah. that his favorite song? Never yeah. enough? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. He cannot be satisfied because he cannot allow himself to love. He's like the Alexander Hamilton of time travel. He's just, yeah. it's never going to be enough for his legacy. <laughs> the more I read about Kang, the more, like, especially about this stuff, he's like, I can never love. All I hear are like really weird 80s, like love ballads, like <laughs> I'm metal. I'm never going to love yeah. again. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes for a very epic but tragic character. And, and I think that's what makes Kang very fascinating. He's not just in it to win it. He's like, he's in it to get more and more, but, but at the same time, there's versions of himself in alternate timelines that have said, Oh, I'm doing the wrong thing. I should fall in love. I should have a life. And there, and there's some instances of him that have tried to do that. Okay. Let's keep going in Marvel continuity. The first time we see Kang is as an Egyptian Pharaoh. The next time we see him is battling the Avengers as Kang. Later, we see him as Immortus at the end of time. So it takes decades and some clever writing on the Marvel writing staff to sort out the timeline of Kang. I've never been more impressed and simultaneously more frustrated about a character before. Agreed. Let's learn more about the character. All right, we're going to start with names and aliases, and oh boy, is there a list this time. We have Nathaniel Richards, Pharaoh Ramatut, Victor Timely, Victor Timely Jr., Victor Timely III, dear goodness, uh, Scarlet Centurion, Immortus, Iron Lad, Kid Immortus, The Warlord, The Benefactor, Chrono Monitor 616, Kang the Conglomerator, Mr. Griffin, Lord of the Seven Sons, Master of Men, Baby Kang. Now, a lot of times when we say different aliases, it's just other things that, you know, this person is called like nicknames and stuff. But a lot of these are like actual divergent identities from various timelines or dimensions. And we're going to get into some of those in, in the future discussion. But like, just to give you a a little tease of of some of these things. So Nathaniel Richards, we talked about is like kind of like his earlier version, like when he's younger, before he becomes Kang. At the end of time, he is known as a mortis working with these time guardians, uh, keeping an eye on the end of time and fixing the problems that he's had in the past. Iron Lad, when he's still young, is somebody he's like, hey, I'm going to be a good guy to try to do well to not become Kang, but ultimately he decides, you know what? I'm just going to embrace being a bad guy. And he becomes kid Immortus because he knows he's going to be Immortus later, but he's not quite Immortus yet. And he's not a very good bad guy. So <laughs> that's kid Immortus. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's things like Mr. Griffin and Victor Timely, like Victor Timely. He goes back to the early 1900s just to study 
the age of heroes, just to study the 1900s, the 20th century to see, you know, all these different heroes that are popping up, Captain America and Avengers and everything like that. So he can then go forward in time and go back in time as Kang and be like, I know all about you. I've seen you firsthand. (laughs) If I went through the 20th century, like this guy is intense. (laughs) Yeah. There it's really interesting because like you said, it's not just him at different points in time too. It is things that have completely broken off and it is like an, an all different person that is over in this other world. It is one of the most confusing things where he just, he's diverted so much from a timeline that he it's been dissected and now he's just its own thing somewhere else. So let's get into some powers and abilities. Kang has genius level intellect. He's schooled in robotics amongst other things. He's a skilled tactician and hand to hand combatant. And he was trained by himself to fight. So that. Try to think about that for a second. Combat uh, he has access, Yeah. <laughs> he has access to advanced technology from being from the future. Uh, he has a highly advanced battle armor that grants, among other things, super strength. I think he can lift up to five tons, speed, stamina, and durability. Just similar to Dr. Doom's suit because his suit was actually based on Dr. Doom's suit. Um, It has its own sort of ecosystem. It can filter and hydrate water. He can breathe throughout. He can go into space. He can go underwater. It's it's everything. From Marvel's website, the suit can project a gravitoelectromagnetic force field around him that is extendable up to 20 feet and can even shield him from a direct nuclear strike. Of course. You got to be anti-nuke in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. So there you go. The suit also allows time travel. So he basically made a suit into a time travel device. It has energy, hologram, and force field projection. It also has various weapons, such as an antimatter defense screen generator, a vibration ray projector, an electromagnetic field amplifier, a neutrino ray warhead missile launcher, electrical paralysis generator, nerve gas sprayer, and a molecular expander, which seemingly enlarges molecules to giant-sized projectiles, similar to the PIM particles. Did you make some of those up? No, those are all real words. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you just put in, like, random word generator, and it just spat that back out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe I did. Uh, so any good conqueror needs an army, and Kang has a vast armada of warriors from across the galaxy, mostly from the future. Most of them are growing man robots. This is something, sort of an invention he came up with called Growing Man, which has future technology and future weaponry kind of based on that Pym particle kind of thing. So he can basically make these robots that get really big and have scary killing laser things. Um, His primary base in Earth 6311 is called the Center. It's not a very creative name, but okay. Uh, Although he's... He also maintains a dwelling known as Purgatory, which I thought was an amazing kind of broody name, uh, and various strongholds in other realities. His former base, Chronopolis, lies just out of phase of the time stream and serves as a crossroad into every reality. And the reason I mention that is because that is where we're going to see in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, uh, this whole city of Chronopolis. But in Marvel continuity, he, he's kind of moved on from Chronopolis. 
his warship, his sort of spaceship, is called Damocles Base, and it is an immense sword-shaped headquarters which allowed King to basically conquer the Earth temporarily. Of course. Affiliations include the Council of Kangs, the Cross-Time Kangs, and the Kronos Corps. I discovered the Kronos Corps for the first time doing research for this, and I'm so excited to read it. Uh, I, I'm not kidding. As soon as I read up about what it was, I went online and I was like, oh, there's an Omni for this series, but it's like 125 bucks. I found a listing that was ending in 30 minutes and it was only for 45 and I snagged it. So I'm super excited. It's the um, Uncanny Avengers run by Remender, by Rick Remender. Oh, yeah. And I'm super excited to read the rest of it because I've already started it. Some of his supporting characters include Ravona Renslayer, his wife slash lover slash romantic interest throughout time. She's very interesting by herself. And we've actually seen her in the MCU, sort of the person that was in charge of of the TVA in the Loki show. And oh, she was cool. that was Ravona. Right. Oh, I like had she, no idea. She's I the, didn't even I didn't even make that connection. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and she's the one that in the comics he falls in love with and basically makes multiple versions of her and spreads her throughout time to foil his future self to be like, oh, I'm going to put so many Ravonas out there that he's always going to run into her and he's going to be sort of has no chance but to love her. This is the Kang that wants to mess with his future self. So this is how like messed up he is is he's he's basically saying like no i do want to have you know the ability to love and one good version of himself sort of puts versions of his lover throughout history so that he keeps on running into her which is just it's messed up he also has an actual son named marcus uh he has an adopted son named ahura boltagon am i saying that right uh there are multiple kang variants I want to say he's also got a lot of like illegitimate children because there are a lot of things in the research where he's basically like picking women out of lineups, you know, when he's Pharaoh and when he's like conqueror and he's like, yes, you will be the genetically superior mother to my son. Like it's some weird, uncomfortable kind of stuff. Yeah. So that Ahura is the actual son of Black Bolt. And there's a, oh, there's right. a yeah, so there's a storyline where basically Black Bolt and Kang agree to I, I don't even remember the specifics. There's an agreement. And basically to uh, finalize the agreement, Kang is like, all right, but you got to give me your son and I'll raise him as my own. <sighs> yeah, real weird. And that's not the that's not the only time he's done that. We'll get to that in a little bit later. Uh, major antagonists include the Fantastic Four. The Avengers, Doctor Strange, Doctor Doom, Apocalypse, Moon Knight, Conchu, and, of course, himself. <laughs> so here's one thing I, I want to try and figure out. So in the reading, there's stuff that talks about Kang potentially either being a descendant or an ancestor of both Reed Richards and Victor Von Doom. And or, yeah, it's it's either one or the other. And, and they haven't, from what I can tell, they haven't solidified it because in one telling it's, you know, his name is Richards and he's supposedly 
is descended from Reed Richards, but at the same time, he believes he might be descended from Doom because or Von Doom because he finds the he finds the Citadel. The Citadel that he finds is basically Doom's Citadel. Right. And has all of the information about time travel. So like some people or he, including himself, thinks, well, I might be descended from uh, from Dr. Doom, but you know, he might be descended from Reed Richards or maybe both or maybe <laughs> neither one of them. So it's, it's kind of not really a, I don't know if it's definitively said uh, how he's it, who he's a descendant of, but yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Do you feel like the writers over time have on purpose made his story more convoluted or have they tried to make it make more sense? I think they've tried. I mean, I think they took what was written in the sixties and then they, had a long, hard look <laughs> of like, OK, what have we done? And then there was a definite attempt of like, let's tie it in. And there was some cool stuff of like, like, I think the stuff with, you know, with Iron Lad and with uh, Immortus and with all these things of like, oh, he becomes this and this is actually him. And and like, here's this new human that that bought, you know, Stark Tower and um, uh, and it's actually him. You know, it's another version of him It's because really, it's kind of I think that's part of what Kang uh, uses to his advantage is he can show up at any point in time and kind of be a new version of himself. And they don't know, like it, it could maybe this new alley that shows up with the mask is Kang and, and you just don't know. Like, and so it's a, uh, it's hard to, it's hard to know like who to trust. Right. I mean, if that, I guess as the Avengers, you know, you never know if you have somebody that's like, could be a Kang variant, but that's that's part of his uh, power is he has the ability to kind of go anywhere and do anything uh, at any given time because he knows everything that's going to happen in all these different timelines. So how do you fight a villain like that? We're going to find out. But he's been defeated many times. <laughs> I should say he's a very, very powerful villain. But because our heroes are also very resourceful, they've always figured out a way to um, destroy him, but not without um, there's a lot of damage that that king causes so we're going to talk about some of our favorite storylines that we've run into uh with the pull list so why don't you go first what what was the storyline that you kind of gravitated towards in our research yeah so uh i didn't have the most time this week because my computer died which is why i wasn't around last week and a lot of stuff has been going on with family coming in and out so uh, i was able to read one story and that was 2021's Timeless. This is written by Jed McKay. Artists are Kev Walker, Greg Land, and Mark Bagley. Colorist is Marte Garcia. And the letterer is VC's Ariana Mayer. This story probably encapsulates what or who Kang is as a person that kind of puts him on display to understand him moving forward in the MCU. It's a story that is meant to set up all these other storylines that were going to go on in 2021 and 2022. And it was kind of like all these splintered timeline stories. But this particular story is all about Kang showing up while uh, this man, Dr. Petrov, is writing his manuscript. And he's basically had just written in his manuscript that there's no other villain that's been more influential in shaping the century in which they live in 
other than Victor Von Doom. And literally, as soon as he pens that, the ego of Kang hmm. explodes and shows up in front of him saying, hey, uh, you write this book and I'm going to show you why I'm the most influential villain of this century and basically every century. But the, the, the doctor's like, I didn't I haven't published it yet. And uh, Kang is just like, well, you do. And it's really popular, but I'm going to show you that you're wrong and you're going to change it. Kang then takes this doctor throughout all these time periods. It's basically a week's worth of time, but they travel through endless amounts of time as well. And it's just really interesting to see who Kang is, is as a person and why he's driven. And you get this moment where he's kind of just being very buddy, buddy with the doctor. And then there's a moment where there's a switch and he he basically tells the doctor, like, you've misunderstood what this is. You don't know who I am. I'm going to show you who I am. And it's hmm. pretty crazy. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. it. It's just one issue, but I feel like I have a much better understanding of who Kang is, especially after reading the endless wiki page that is about Kang. Uh, this definitely cemented a better understanding of the things that he is capable of and the things he is motivated by. Because it is all about his ego. He just wants to be the best. Period. That's that's cool. I look forward to reading that. I also picked a uh, fairly recent miniseries that was 2021. Um, so I think it came out maybe after uh, the Timeless story. Um, but I also have a single issue that I'm going to talk about in just a bit. So uh, the series I picked was, it's just called Kang the Conqueror. And it's a five issue mini series and it came out in 2021 um, starting in August. It's written by Jackson Lansing, Colin Kelly and art by Carlos Mango and colors by Essen Gruntajern. And I'm probably saying that wrong. So I apologize with some really cool covers. The main covers were by Mike Del Mundo. Oh, very cool. But there's a lot of alternate covers of each one as well. So this storyline kind of covers the origin of Kang, but it does it in a timeline from sort of what we talked about earlier, starting with the future teenage version and how he's visited from the future self. And it kind of goes through issue by issue of that betrayal of himself and how he's like, I'm going to go forward and like be a better person and kind of jumps forward. It skips over the fighting with the good guys. and It's mostly focuses on, his relationship with himself and how there's one side of Kang that's trying to make himself as a younger person, a better conqueror and, and like, and to, to be the best version of himself he can be. And then you see how the younger version is like, no, I'm going to fight against this. But inevitably he always goes back to that evil side and it's like that that time paradox of like as much as you try to get away from your fate, you're always going to go towards it. So it's a really fascinating. The art is really interesting. It's it's um it's got that kind of cool painted look. Um, so I and it made it easier for me to understand Kang as a character, I think, because you could kind of see like where he starts and stops. And, and you see little flashes of different instances where he runs into heroes and apocalypse and, and, you know, different versions of himself throughout time that things that we've seen previously in Marvel comics. So, um, 
I don't know if it's something like I would recommend it to people that maybe have a passing knowledge of Kang, but they don't really know where to start. But you maybe, or if you've read a lot of stuff in the past, like various storylines and Avengers and Fantastic Four, and you're like, I just don't know where this guy starts, you know, then this, this is a good, like short storyline that kind of covers all of that. But I think just a good example of comic storyline period is the single issue Avengers 49. This is from uh, 2002 and it's part of the Kang dynasty storyline. So uh, this is written by uh, Kurt Busick legend legend <laughs> uh, pencils by Kieran Dwyer. Also, also legend uh, and inks by Rick Remender. Inks. Rick Remender does inking. Yeah. Surprise. Yeah. He was an inker. Oh, that's cool. I was, I looked at that. I was like, wait, inks. <laughs> okay. Um, so way back in 2002, um, there was a storyline called the Kang dynasty, which basically Kang comes out and he says, Hey, Avengers. Um, I, uh, I, I want to, um, you know, do what's right. Uh, I, I know that there's some bad stuff that's going to happen. So let me conquer the earth. Like <laughs> he, he says in, in so many <laughs> words and, uh, and everything will be cool. And I'll help you prevent the destruction of the, the world. And if you don't, then I will have retribution. And so there's a lot of bad things that happen. And he basically throws, he does something really smart. He throws out this kind of offer to all of the super villains, quote unquote, um, in the world to be like, Hey, if y'all want to, um, eventually have like a section of the world that belongs to you, go ahead and help me conquer the world because, uh, then you will have that. And so all these people like Atuma and, and, uh, people in China and people in like different areas of the world are trying to like, yeah, we'll, we'll help you conquer the earth. And they're like, Kang, Kang, Kang. And, uh, and so the Avengers are like busy dealing with that with the first part of the story. And eventually they kind of, they're, they're trying to sneak in and they're trying to get to this Damocles base, which is hovering the earth and or orbiting the earth. And Kang's like, Oh, you broke the deal. So I'm going to go ahead and show you how powerful I am. And so in this issue, this is kind of where that starts. It's the issue is titled. There are no words and there's no dialogue. It's, it's all visual, which is really cool, but there's That's definitely awful. a visual story. It's, it's awesome. Uh, so it shows how Kang takes over, um, in the previous issue, they, uh, Thunderbolt Ross is like, Oh, it's okay. We're restarting the Sentinel program. We're going to go up and have 50, a hundred Sentinels go up and destroy this thing. And Captain America is like, no, that's a terrible idea. This has not worked many times before. They've always turned bad. And and Thunderbolt Ross is like, eh, whatever, Captain America. It's fine. We got it under control. And of course, they go up in this issue. Kang's like, oh, I can control technology. And he takes over the Sentinels, turns them back around and annihilates Washington, D.C., like destroys yep. it. The issue ends with ross and members of earth signing a declaration of surrender to kang <laughs> like that's how it ends and that's issue 49 so of course issue 50 is like okay how do the avengers deal with it etc cetera, etc cetera. um but it's really really interesting if you just want to see like a classic great example of comic book storytelling read 
uh, Avengers 49 from 2022. It's amazing. I was I was just like, I mean, it really sums it up. There are no words. That's that's the name of the storyline. Yeah, that sounds super cool. Yeah, I need to check that one out. That sounds really, really fun. Uh, next section is usually our Grail finds, but uh, sadly, in this timeline, neither Chris nor I have discovered our Kang Grail yet. Yeah, I have, but just not, just my my future self has it. So um, I need to get in touch with my future self and have him come back and give it to me. So that's in the process. Uh, so if you're listening to this in the future, we do have a grail find. Um, I just don't know what it is yet. But what we are going to do is share some random facts with you. So I'm going to read a random fact, Lance, and, and I want you just, just to tell me what you think about it. Perfect. Did you know the Scarlet Centurion armor was based on Dr. Doom's armor? Makes sense. Uh, Kang's son, Marcus, also took up the mantle of the Scarlet Centurion. But Marcus is kind of like, eh, he's not he's not that great. So we're not going to talk about him that much. The entire Council of Kangs was killed by Kang yep. and a temporal limbo monster called Alioth, which is the same monster shown in Loki's Disney Plus show. That big, like, cloud monster that, you know, Loki's running from. Oh, that's really cool. All right. So that's, so the TVA, like, throwing stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Man, the yeah. more I'm learning about this, the more I think I appreciate the Loki show. I know. I read that. I, I saw that and I was like, oh, the monster. Wait, that sounds familiar. And I looked up Loki, Loki TV monster, you know, like, like, and I was like, oh, that's the, that's the monster, like, from the thing. He unleashes that. Okay, so we talked about earlier how he poses as Victor Timely in the early 1900s, and he founds the town of Timely, Wisconsin. Of course. (laughs) Where he started a robot business, and he poses as his own son, Victor Timely Jr., and he hires a robotic expert named Phineas Horton, who 10 years later, in 1939, creates the original Human Torch android. That's super cool. Human Torch was one of the first heroes for Timely Comics which later gets renamed to Marvel Comics. So in a way, Kang created the Marvel Universe. (laughs) (laughs) Mind blown. Yeah, it's hilarious. Okay, Uh, we mentioned Kang raises the son of Black Bolt. He also raised the twins of Apocalypse to prevent a timeline where they led the mutant race and threatened his own ruling existence. Mm -hmm. Okay. During the Infinity Watch story, Kang was merged with Miss Marvel to become <laughs> probably the best version of Kang uh, that I've heard, Kamala Kang. Oh my gosh. Eventually wielding the Reality Stone. She could actually embiggen herself across time and space. <laughs> of course she could. Why couldn't she? <laughs> because that's awesome. Good old Kamala and, Kang. Okay, and here's here's a really good one. In the Ultimate Marvel line, Kang was not a descendant of Reed Richards or Victor Von Doom, but a variant of Sue Storm. Ooh, I like it. I actually really like that. Sue Storm's abilities have the potential to just be super villainous. Yeah. Because she could, she can just like put an air bubble in your bloodstream and then you're Mm -hmm. done. Like, like, or force field in your head. Boom. Done. Like the fact that she is a good human being is such like a clutch thing for Marvel because if she was a villain, she would be the ultimate villain. I think they played around with that a little bit and she's definitely a force to be reckoned with. 
Sue Storm's a beast. We'll have to talk about Susan Storm in a future episode. 100%. She's amazing. As for your questions, I am Kang the Conqueror. I have come from the 41st century, traveling to this backwater time period for one simple reason. To eliminate you from the timeline. To save the world. Let's talk about adaptations. Uh, there have been many appearances of Kang in various movies, TV, animation, and games. Um, we are going to just mention a few that stood out to us. The one that immediately stands out to me is something that uh, my son and I are dealing with right now, which is Kang is the main villain in Lego Marvel 2, the game, which I'm currently playing uh, with my son, Calvin. And it's hard. It's <laughs> These Lego Marvel games are kind of <laughs> tricky because something very specific has to happen in order for you to move on. And mm. uh, it's, it's, it's kind of hard because you don't always know what it is. Kang is also featured in the animated series Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, voiced by Jonathan Adams. In key episodes, The Man Who Stole Tomorrow and The Kang Dynasty, Kang tries to take out Steve Rogers because his existence caused an anomaly that put his lover, Ravana, in a coma. Yeah, I, I, I like that because it does a nice job of getting the feel of Kang's grandeur and scope and powers boiled down in a level that even a 10-year-old can understand. So if you're, if you're <laughs> at this point, if you're like, uh, this is really confusing, um, watch those Kang episodes of uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes and that does a nice job of just kind of making it simple and like, Oh, okay. Kang is, is very powerful. He definitely takes out the Avengers several times in several different episodes, but it also kind of shows what his weaknesses are. Right. And so it just, yeah. if, if all of this is hard to understand, uh, turn to animation, which sometimes does a pretty good job of simplifying it because they have to. Yep. And then kind of the, the ultimate adaptation right now is the fact that in the Loki TV series, we saw a variant of Kang being He Who Remains, who was played by Jonathan Majors. And now in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, we are going to get full-on Kang in all of his power and glory uh, going up against uh, our heroes in the quantum realm. Yeah, and and I love that there's a little snippet in the trailer where where Kang is like, you're out of your league, Ant-Man. <laughs> like, and I couldn't agree more. Like, I don't yeah. see how Ant-Man is going to stand up to Kang the Conqueror. Like, I just, I don't, I don't see this going well for Scott Lang. Uh, I don't see this going well for his family. No. Um, Chris, the we're getting the Kang Dynasty movie. This yeah. is not going to go well for Ant-Man whatsoever. Yeah, He's no. Even if and and doing all this research about stuff, I mean, like this is not a normal kind of villain. Like we know that even if this Kang dies or gets disintegrated or moves through time or whatever, like like there's going to be different versions of him. There's going to be different incarnations. We could see him pop up at any time, literally uh, in different movies and TV shows. And so he is he is definitely going to be a villain we're going to see in some way or another. So even if Scott Lang figures out some sort of weird way of trapping him or or he gets away or something like that, you know, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see, like, how this has an effect of uh, future incarnations and, 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 and future stories in the MCU. Yeah, so I'm think, really excited. <laughs> yeah, I think this movie is going to be brutal. I, I think there's going to be a lot that happens that people aren't expecting. Well, now that we've talked about the adaptations, it's time to move on to... 
Each issue, we do what nerds do best. We share our fever dream concepts for the comics that we love. And this week, we wanted to look at what if we could go back in time and get one comic book we didn't have today. Now, this isn't going back into any time, but instead during our lifetime, that instead of purchasing a comic that we saw in a store, we decided to pass on it. So, Chris, what (laughs) is the comic that you wish you had purchased that you did not? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of like ways you go with this. You can be like, oh, I wish I purchased this one comic that ends up being a crazy first appearance or worth a lot of money for whatever reason. But I'm just kind of going with more of a nostalgic like I wish I maybe had spent more time getting into this certain thing like and and that's for me, that's early 90s Spider-Man like like right like I kind of had a divergent path where I went towards X-Men and I don't regret that at all. But I also kind of wish I had also at the same time or maybe like intermittently like gotten more Spider-Man comics because I feel like if I had done that, I would have really like really enjoyed the character as much as I've gone in and, and, and read previous Spider-Man runs and stuff since then. But I feel like at the time I really would have enjoyed, um, experiencing things that peter parker did while i was around his age in in the you know 17 18 that kind of thing like i i just feel like oh man i i wish i would have gone through that with him you know what i mean um so that's kind of my i mean i can still appreciate it as an adult uh in my 30s and 40s but um i think when you're a teenager and you read a spider-man book it's it's uh it's a different feeling So um, if you are young and you listen to our show and uh, you haven't read a lot of Spider-Man, maybe give it a go, because as fun as some of these adult heroes are, um, having somebody that's your age, like Kamala Khan or Peter Parker or Miles Morales or, you know, somebody that that you can relate to, I think is is really nice. And and the writers appreciate that. So I'm I'm just going to go with early 90s Spider-Man. That's I wish I would have picked up more of those. So what you're saying is this version of you is the mutant variant and you wish you were a webhead variant. <laughs> I would still be a mutant variant. Yeah, but I I'm, I'm not going to give up my mutant ability, but I'm going to multiple man myself and, and, uh, and also read Spider-Man. How very Kang of you. Yes. Uh, my choice will like once again, surprise no one. And that is, I wish I had picked up invincible sooner. I had a roommate in college that is the one that really got me back into reading comics. And he was constantly telling me that I needed to read Invincible. And he would always show me the trade of the, like the first trade. And I, I wasn't like sold on the art mm-hmm. at the time. And for me, like art is a big thing. And I don't know, it just looked very like generic, like it looks like generic superhero book, like from yeah. the cover. Yeah, but we all know that it is very much not a generic superhero story. And I think that would have blown my mind even sooner. Uh, and it would have been so much easier to collect every single issue than it is now, <laughs> because it's so expensive now, Chris, yeah, it's I know. killing my wallet. I I'm know. four issues away. I'm but, so close. But Okay, not to toot my own horn, but aren't you glad I suggested that we do Invincible when we did and not like issue 
78 or something like that. Yes, I I agree. But I, I, oh man, I love that series so much. And it would have been so much nicer to pick up these issues for like $2 oh, yeah. in bins. I was still able to find a large chunk of them mm-hmm. for like three bucks a piece. And I've bought collections online. But it would have just been easier to get like a first print of number one. Yeah. Of issue one, if if I had just jumped on it sooner, because I it's like my favorite comic book series, and I wish I had just had that earlier in my life. Well, if you're listening to this, uh, think about what comic that you didn't get that you would go back in time in your storyline, if you were had the powers of Kang and you were able to pick up a comic. You know, let us know. Let us know what you think, and uh, on our Twitter or Instagram at CBK Cast. Also, if you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts, we will definitely read those. We read every review that we get, and we definitely thank you for doing that. If you leave a five-star review and say, hey, you should definitely cover Sue Storm or you should cover uh, whoever, you know, like let us know, and we will take that into consideration heavily with five-star reviews like that. Maybe, you know, we should go back in time. I have this time machine. No, wait. I have a note for myself that we should just end the show now. Oh, okay. Well, if you say so. So it's time to close the book on Kang the Conqueror. So until next time, this is Chris. And this is Lance. Reminding you to keep your friends close. But your comic books closer. Do you ever have deja vu like we did this all before? Nah. Do you ever have deja vu like we did this all before? Nah.